I hope y'all feeling what I'm feeling. Mm. I'll tell you, I'm Jeremy Lindsay, if you don't know it. Um, I'm the campus pastor here at, uh, at Connection Midland. And I'll tell you, it's a joy to serve here. It's a joy to be here. Because I tell you, it's, it's amazing when you have people that, to me, that's on a worship team like this, that, man, you can tell when people are singing out of gratitude at their heart. And they really want, I mean, it just connects with you. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm excited that I'm gratefully broken. I'm gracefully broken. I'm excited that, that God saw me worthy enough to break me. I'm, so, I'm thankful that he saw that in me. It's like, you know what? There's something in him that's only going to come out until I break him. And I don't, know, this, I don't know who's struggling with anything today, but I want to tell you that a lot of the struggles most of us have in our life is because we won't let God break us. We're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to hold on to what we got because we think our way's better. But yet, if you just back off and let God break you and let God do with you what he wants you to do, what he wants to do through you, Lord, let me tell you, the freedom that's in there and the peace that's there. I had a whole other plan I was going, but we're going to go this way. Is that okay with y'all? Amen. And that's, I love you, I tell you. That's just the thing. It's like we try to hold on to what we got because we feel like that all we just hold it on to the world. We're holding on to relationships. We're holding on to to just stuff that don't matter, addiction, all these different things. We're just holding on to. And if we would just realize that God's in control and open our hands up and give that to Him, the things that He will put back in your hands is unbelievable. He feels those things that you feel like that makes you complete. He feels those things to an overflowing mark. None of us think that we can be any better than how we are right now. And a lot of it is things that Satan uses to trap us and make us think that we'll only be complete. We'll only be as happy as I am right now in this moment. And some of you are thinking, Lord, I hope not. I know for me, I mean, I, 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 this is a special weekend for me. And I'll explain that later, but here's the thing is I know for me, my whole life was about me. My whole life was what made me happy. And if you didn't make me happy, then guess what? You was on another list. You don't want to be on that list. Some of y'all got that same list. Some of y'all got them same people on it too. But the reality is if life was all about you, when life was about you, everything offends you. Everything makes you mad. Everything puts you in odds with everybody else. And if you keep on living life for you, eventually what's going to happen is there's only going to be you. Because everybody else is offending me. Everybody else is against me. Sometimes you need to turn around and look in the mirror and be like, maybe it's me. Huh? So we get so enslaved to things, and that's what we're in Galatians 4 today. And it's crazy how this just ties in, but so many times we're just, we allow the world to enslave us with its ideas, its ideology, and how everything's always been. If we're not careful, we get caught in a trap of just doing things because that's what you're supposed to do instead of doing things because you love Jesus. Y'all with me on that? That's why Paul was just like, jacked up in Galatians 4. I mean, you think me preaching, drinking a 20-ounce Red Bull was bad? Boy, what, I don't know. You should have been there when Paul was doing it. I mean, he was just jacked up, just, I'm talking, just wanting people to understand. He's in prison. He's in jail. He's in chains. He can't get to the people in Galatia. If he could, he probably would have shook them. He probably would have yelled, like I do on Sunday mornings. But yet he couldn't. He was writing this letter and trying his best to explain to them what it truly meant, what it truly meant to be a man or a woman of God living by the gospel. That's what he was doing. In the beginning of Galatians 4, we're going to spend a bulk of our time in probably 8 through 11, but, but in the beginning of Galatians, he begins to talk about 1 through 8. He talks about what it meant about being enslaved to things. And we don't understand that today. A lot of us don't understand what that, what that is. But to be enslaved to something means you're in bondage to it. There's no way out of that. And a lot of us are enslaved to sin. I remember me before Jesus, before I knew Jesus. 
I was enslaved to myself. I was enslaved to my passions, what made me happy. Yo, can anybody identify with me in that? And if you don't think you're enslaved to things, try to get away from it. What happens? It keeps pulling you back. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and it was just like the alcohol was calling my name. I was like, I'm in the bed. Jeremy, come to the refrigerator. You think I'm kidding. It's stuff like that gets a hold of you. And, and when you, when, when, when I, I remember getting, I was so messed up on some stuff one time. It was just like I was, I, I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. Going through a bad time, going, let, let, let stuff happen at work, what happened? I, I, I'm shaking like a leaf until I could get me something poured to calm me down. That stuff had me jacked up and in chains. And yours might not be that bad. Yours might not be alcohol or, or any kind of drug, but a lot of us, we go to all this different stuff instead of going to God. And when we don't go to God with our things, then we're enslaved to these things because we think these things can give us satisfaction. We think these things can free us of our problems instead of going to the only one that can. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, you're diluting the gospel. You're going to stuff. You're allowing the world to, in, to, to come back and enslave you. And it's so, so important here in the Bible Belt where we live is that everybody in here grew up going to church. It's so easy. It's so familiar. And in that familiarity, we get lost in what it truly means to follow Jesus. We get lost in what it truly means to be freed by the damnation of sin. We, we lose that, that, that awe and that, that compassion. We lose that. Because it's all like, oh, it's just Jesus. I've been talking, hearing about him since I was in kindergarten going to vacation Bible school. Often I've told, I told my wife before we planted the church, like, I want God to send me somewhere where nobody knows Jesus because then with people that don't know Jesus, they get it off the bat and they want to live it. But I didn't get that. God sent me to you. God sent me to, to, to southern South Georgia, to my hometown. And, and, and it's like, God, everybody knows you. He's like, yeah, but don't nobody hardly follow me. See, that's a bad place to be. I had, a, I had a preacher one day tell me, he's like, Jeremy, the hardest people to make realize, to make them realize who Jesus is are the people that think they know who Jesus is. And all of us in this room grew up going to church and we grew up to these things, yet we're blinded and we're enslaved by this world because our life is not centered on Jesus, on the gospel. And I know some of you look at me like, you preach this all the time. I want you to get it. I told my daddy, I told my daddy a thousand times, daddy, you tell, you've told me that a bunch. He's like, you still ain't doing it, are you? No, sir. We're hard-headed people. And God's stirring this morning church i really feel like he wants to set some of us in this room free from the slavery that we continue to subject ourselves to and what paul was saying is like you were once free and living in the spirit you were once free to live life and live life out of the abundance of living in the spirit of god living and being allowing your life to be driven by the spirit of god you were you were you were doing that and then You've begun, you begun to let the voices from the outside tell you what it really meant. So you, started, you stopped following the spirit and you started following man. See, that's what religion does. It entraps us. It captivates us. And it holds us down. And, and I want to tell you, following Jesus is not a religion. It's a relationship. That's why I'm, I love us not being a denominational church. Because they won't associate Baptist or Pentecostal or Methodism with, with the church. I'm a, we're just following Jesus. We're going to let the cards fall where they fall. We're going to do what he says, and we're going to call ourselves, how about, how about let's go to the beginning, people of the way. Whoo, that's good, ain't it? Why don't we start doing that? But if we're not careful, we turn ourselves into people that are just enslaved by tradition, enslaved by what others think, and, and we're, not, we're not free. How many of you could honestly answer, say, honestly say yes, that I feel like I'm free in Christ? Because if a lot of us felt like we were free in Christ, there'd be a lot more people praising Jesus and worshiping him during worship service. 
We're not, we don't, we, we bind our own selves down, worried about what people think. And if I'm here to please God, you better get out of the way. Come on, y'all with me? Real talk this morning. So Paul, he's trying to make them understand what a slave really looks like and, what it, and, and, and how awesome it is to be freed from those burdens. And in Galatians chapter 8, verse 8, I'm sorry, chapter, verse 4, chapter 8, we'll get it right. He says this, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now you know God, or rather are known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you not wish to be, do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. Who that's strong there. Verse 12 says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my, through my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I was an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself, were then... Is your blessing of me? I can now testify that if you could have done so, you could have torn out your eyes and given them to me. How? I know because your enemy, by telling, how have I become, sorry, have I become your enemy by telling you this truth? Then he continues. He says, those people are zealous to win you over, but not good, not for good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be, je- be zealous for them. Verse 18 says, It is fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good and to be so also, not just when I am with you, my dear children, for I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Y'all please forgive my reading because sometimes hooked on phonics didn't work for me. (laughs) But the reality in this text is Paul, I hope you can see his heart in this, is he came to a people and, and, and and he was teaching them what it meant to follow Christ and now he's away from them and they've been wooed away from the genuineness and the trueness of the gospel and they're starting to go back to the ways they used to be. How it breaks my heart to see people say they're following Jesus, to raise their hand and say, I want to follow Christ. And then six or eight months later, they're right back in the same junk they used to be in. And it's like, I thought Jesus set you free from that. And they're like, oh, he did. But yet they're still in it. That's like saying, I'm free, but I've got my handcuffs on. Everybody can see your handcuffs. They know you're not free, but yet you're saying, I'm free. See, Paul's heart in that. It's crazy to me. I love in the beginning of this, though. He says, formerly, verse verse 8, he said, formerly, when did you know? Formerly, when did you know, God? For you were slaves for those by nature of God. And he says, but now that you know God, rather are known by God. Like he's, he's straight up killing the whole fact of thinking that we can earn our salvation. Like you think that you know God, it's got nothing to do about you knowing God. God knew you before you were even born. You with me? So he's like, you think it's about you knowing God? God knew you first. So stop trying to put all the pressure on you and start just looking to God. See, we try to think that it's about the things we do to make God happy with us so that we can get in return what we want from God. See, that's what most people's relationship with God looks like. And mm. see, that's what it is. That's, that's what most people are doing. And see, here he's just he's just like he wants people to understand that it's in the grace of God in which we get salvation and we get to walk with God. It's nothing that we do. It's not about our attendance. It's not about these things. It's all about 
our relationship with God. You know, in the text, in verses 9 through 11, he, he, he continues to break that down where he says that how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? I mean, you got to realize that the Galatians, when they were converted in those times, in ancient times, the gods in which they worshipped before they started worshiping Yahweh, the only God. It was, it was like nature things, you know? Like if a farmer wanted it to rain, he would go to the God of the rain. And he would pray to the, he would, he would do whatever the God of the rain needed him to do. If it was sacrifice, if it was whatever, to please that God so he could get the rain. If you was a woman and you wanted a child, and you, you go to the God of fertility and you would do whatever it took to, play, to please that God of fertility so you could have a child. That's what they were thinking. Does that, does that not sound like how we treat God now? Like, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to come to you. I'm gonna, look, I, oh, God, I want that job tomorrow. So I'm going to church Sunday. I'm going to appease you. Come on. God, I want that raise, God, so I'm going to put another 20 in the offering plate. You know, I want to do these things so that I can get what I want from you because in reality what you're doing is you're not telling God you love him, you want him, you, you appreciate him. You're saying, God, I want you from what I can get out of you. And what he's saying in that is that that was pagan. That was demonic. That was wrong. And so when we come to God in that attitude, you're not being influenced by the Holy Spirit. You're being influenced by Satan himself. We're being influenced by demonic things around us. And some of y'all are like, hold up, wait a minute. You're talking about demons. I'm going to check out on you. But the reality is it's either God's way or no way, right? It's either you're following Jesus or you're going in the direction that Satan's pushing you. There's no middle ground. You can't have it your way and God's way. It's either his way or no way. And so that's what Paul is trying to make them realize in this. Paul's saying these elementary, these weak and miserable vessels, what he says, these weak and miserable forces. Even though these forces are weak and miserable, let me tell you, they are, the idols in our life are powerful. The idol of money is a powerful thing because it's driven a many a marriage apart. It's driven a many a man to insanity. The, the, the idols of self, of, of just really just acceptance, have driven people to go do stupid and crazy things just so they can feel appreciated by people that really don't care about them. We put these idols, these things, way up here because that's what makes us feel good and feel accepted. But yet, in reality, if it's all about Jesus, we don't care about these things. We care about God and what he thinks of us. Amen? And what he's saying is these things are weak and miserable. If you're trying to please people, you're trying to fill this void, you are a miserable person trying to fill yourself with this stuff. And, and, and so what he's, he's trying to make you understand is these things are powerless if you're following Jesus, if you're going your own way, these things have, a, have control of your life. But when you truly surrender your life to God, these things are miserable and weak. We have to understand, though, we, we give Satan too much credit in the church today. We act like, oh, oh, Satan made, Satan made me do it. I don't know how many times I've talked to somebody that, that messed up and they were like, oh, man, I, Satan was on me hard today. You give Satan too much credit. See, I want you to understand something. Satan only has the power that God's given him. We act like that it's like, we think it's like Star Wars or something. We got these two forces and they're fighting for, 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 they're fighting for the kingdom. Let me tell you, the battle's already been won, church. Jesus wins in the end. Satan's been defeated. But see, think of, go, 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 let me take you back to Job. How about Job? Let's go back to the book of Job. You know, Job was a righteous man following God, but yet Satan said, God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's like, man, the only reason Job's following you, the only reason he's, he's praising you is for what he has gotten from you. He's been blessed. He's got kids. He's got wealth. That's the only reason he is saying that he's following you. That's the only reason he's worshiping you. God's like, well, here, try him, but, but don't hurt him. You can't hurt him. So what happened? Satan goes and he takes, he goes and he takes his family. He loses all his kids. He loses all his wealth. He loses everything like that. 
What, 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 what did Job do? I love the phrase. He said, God, God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was unmovable because it wasn't in the stuff that he got that he loved God. It was in the person of God in which he loved. So then he turns around and he says, you know what? Let me, let me, let me, let, it, it's, it's because, it's still because of the stuff. I mean, let me, I tell you what, it might not be the stuff, but it's his health in which he pleases you. If you put him in a bind, if you put him in an awkward situation, you put him in a, in a hard place, God, he'll deny you. It's like, all right, just don't kill him. I hope God don't tell Satan that about me, I tell you. But don't kill him. He gives him permission, okay? God gives him permission to attack Job. You know what happened? Job, you know, his, his wonderful wife that was beside him told him to curse God and die. Everybody would love a wife like that. But um, that was a joke. I'm just kidding, ladies. But, you know, it, it, Job is so afflicted. He's scraping his own wounds with a, with a knife, trying to get those all, got to get the sores off of him. I mean, he's in a bad place. He's hurting. He's, he's just in all this pain, but he still didn't deny God. Why? Because it wasn't in his comfortableness that he loved God. He loved God because of who God was. That's the trueness of the gospel. But see, I want you to understand that. Everything that Job went through was God was allowing those trials, those things to get him to a place. At the end of all that stuff, he knew God more and he knew God deeper because of the trial. See, a lot of the stuff we go through in life, most of it is self-inflicted, okay? Some of it, most of it is self-inflicted, but a lot of it that we go through in life, God uses it so that we can know him deeper. We can know him more. I wouldn't be the man that I am right now if it wasn't for the hell that I walked in before. I wouldn't love Jesus like I do now if it wasn't for the junk I was in 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And I say it a lot, but there's a plan, there's a purpose in the pain. You know, we were walking through it, and we're all like, woe is me, woe is me. Stop doing that and fix your eyes on God. That's where your help comes from, amen? And so that's what he's saying in this. He says, look, I want you to understand, Satan has no power. God gives it to him. These things are weak and miserable. That's why I have all this faith in the world, because I know that addiction can't stay where it's not wanted. You may say that again. See, the things that you struggle with, the things that you're walking in, ask yourself, do I really want these things gone? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. I knew when I got tired of the stuff I was walking in and I cried out to God, he delivered me from them. That's what it was. But see, we walk in this stuff because we are, we, we're okay with the handcuffs. But there's freedom found in Jesus. That's what, that's what he's trying to tell the people in Galatia. You know, even though that, I want you to tell you, we followed, because of what Jesus did on the cross, was gave us salvation, right? See, demons don't have any authority when Jesus is around. It wasn't that, they, it wasn't that the demons were like, did they argue with, with Jesus at all when he commanded them to come out? When Jesus said, hey, who are you? They didn't say, I guess, I wish, you know, I know, you, I know that you want to know, but I'm not telling you. No, nah, they, they had to tell him. When he said, come out, they were like, no, nah, we ain't going to do this right now, Jesus. No, they were like, please don't destroy us. They knew who Jesus was. They feared him. The demons feared him. So why do we fear the things that, don't, that, that, we're, not, that we're walking in? Why are we fearing all this stuff in our life if we're walking in the power of Jesus? Is it hot in here to y'all? I don't know if it was just a look y'all giving me. I'm sorry. But see, Paul's saying here is that before you knew God, you were controlled by these demonic forces. You were controlled by these things. That's what your whole life was being controlled by this stuff. But now that you know God, you shouldn't be controlled by these things, right? That's what he's saying. So in verse 10, he asked them, he said, he asked them, do you wish to be enslaved by them? Do you want to be enslaved by them? Some of y'all ain't ready for this next part, but he says, you observe special days and months and seasons and years, and I fear for you that somehow you wasted my effort on you. 
Well, that's pretty strong stuff to say. It's pretty strong. But he says, you, you, you say that you don't want to be enslaved by these things. But yet, you're, you, because you're, 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 you're practicing, you're going to all these religious festivals. See, they, had to go, they, was going, he, they were going to Passover where they celebrated Jesus, where they celebrated the, 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 the Passover. They, they celebrated those things. They, they went to all those festivals of shelters that God told the Jews that they, they had to keep, that they had to go to, they had to celebrate in order to please him. They were going to all these things. But yet, they were going because that's what you were supposed to do, not because they were really thankful for God. So you flip the script and you turn it in today. It's people going to church out of obligation of thinking, I'm going to church, so I'm good with God. You're like, oh, we don't do that. Let me tell you something. Why in the world, in the area we live in, Easter Sunday and Christmas Eve are some of the most packed out services? Because people want to come and get their fix. And then it's like, all right, I can go do what I want to because I have appeased, appeased the God. And it ain't about that. It's about walking in a relationship with him. There's so many people that are fools thinking going to church and their attendance pleases God and gets them to heaven. It's all about in the heart in which you do these things. Y'all with me? So many people think that church attendance makes them right with God. So many people. You know, and I just, it, it gets me. It gets me to the core because it's not about attendance. It's about your love and your honor and what you want from God. Do you truly love him like you say you do? That's what he's saying in this. See, when we live where we live, I said it earlier, when we live where we live, it's such a hard thing. It's the reality is that most people aren't walking in that, in that relationship with God. They're walking in the religion of going to church. Because if we were truly walking in that relationship, we would love people. We would love people that are hard to love. We would forgive people. That, that, are, that, are, that are hard to forgive. We would walk in peace with people. We wouldn't always be offended. If you find yourself always offended, you need to ask yourself some questions at this altar in just a little bit. I'm just being serious with you. We just want to sit here. We want to we get our ears tickled and feel good when we go home. But the reality is I wouldn't be loving you if I came here to tickle your ears. The truth of the gospel is offensive sometimes. And the reality is, if we're trying to do this thing to please anybody but God, then we've been fooled and we're being led astray by demonic forces. If you see what we're doing today, whoo, this is good. If we're what we're doing today, we came to this place. We're, we're supposed to be worshiping God, right? Did, did, can, can we say this is not demonic? Right? In itself, it's not demonic. But if you came up in here any reason than to worship God, then you're being influenced by the wrong thing, and what you're doing is demonic. It's either you for me or against me. See, that's some strong words he's preaching up in there in Galatians. It's not what you do. It's in the heart in which you do it. And there's so many of us that are being led astray and led down paths that think, oh, this is good. See, good ain't God. And we got to make that decision a lot of days. Am I going, is this going to be a good thing or is this a God thing? See, if I don't cheat on my wife, if I don't do those things, it says, it says that I'm a good husband. It don't say that I love her. If the reason that I don't do those things is because I might look, be looked upon bad or I might, people might frown upon that thing or I might hurt her feelings. That, those things don't show that I love her. But if I, if I don't do it because I honor her, I cherish her, I want, to, I want her to know that she is extremely important to me, I won't do those things out of that love. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing with our relationship with God. So many of us fall to the same sin over and over and over. You know why? Because our focus isn't on God. It's on these other things. We're influenced by this demonic stuff around us. Some of y'all wasn't ready for this today. I can see it by looking on your face. <laughs> but I want you to understand that Satan is the, is, is the, is the master deceiver. He, he, he tries to counterfeit everything of God. So he makes it look just almost so that we choose 
that instead of choosing God. That's the most terrifying part of Scripture that I read. How do I know the difference between good and God? How do I know the difference between just almost and, 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 and right? It's in the way that you serve God. It's in the way that you submit your life to God. If he is the center of your life, if he is the, the person that you have a relationship with, then you know what pleases him. You know what makes him happy. You're not doing it out of the, you don't want to just do it just because you know that doing these things will make him happy. You want to do it because you love him and you want to walk with him. Y'all with me in that? See, when, when our attendance is just for show or routine, when what Paul's trying to say is, is you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping your conscience. You're worshiping those things around you. You're worshiping a, 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 you know, approval of man. What, what are you doing here today? Did you get up this morning to come to church? Because you wanted to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? That you wanted to, to please God? That you wanted to come and, and, and just sing and praise him because of what he's done for your life? Or did you come because Sunday morning, that's the thing to do? Come on. And I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm being real with you because I'm in this, I was in the same place. This weekend is so important to me because I, look at me, I was a man that thought good was good enough. I was a man that walked in religion. I was a man that went to church every Sunday. I was a man that got drunk every Saturday. I was a man that was, was just all about me, all about money, all about what I could get, get, get from God and nothing about changing my heart. And 10 years ago, 10 years ago on Saturday, God changed my perspective forever. When he made me realize that it wasn't about nothing that I did. It was about why I do it. It wasn't about walking down the aisle and getting baptized. It wasn't about those things. Because in reality, I didn't do those things to please God. I did those things to please the people around me. I went to Oak Hill Baptist Church, and I, got, I said this in this prayer at vacation Bible school when I was 12 years old. God didn't speak to me. Everybody else in there was getting baptized. I ain't going to get left out. Be real with you. I was taught that because I did those things, that I was right with God. So I lived my life thinking that because I did those things, I was right with God. My life didn't change. I was a good boy. My whole life. But yet, there was no internal change in my heart. I didn't, want to, I didn't go to church to please God. I didn't read the Bible. You know, I read the Bible is when I needed something. You know, when I prayed when I needed something. Y'all with me? And so it wasn't about my love for God that transformed my life. It was about the rules that I kept that thought I was saved. And there was no difference in me than anybody else. And when people saw me, they was like, oh, he's just a hypocrite. No, I wasn't a hypocrite. I was lost going to church every Sunday. And 10 years ago, God opened my eyes and made me realize that there was something more. Made me realize that just this vain going to church this isn't nothing. Sorry. Satan tried to do anything to distract somebody. But the reality is, when he woke me up, I was at Woodstock, Georgia, in front of 5,000 men. I wouldn't even go to, to the altar in my church of 100. And God was stirring in my heart so mad. I thought that if I didn't move, I would die. And I got up from my seat, heart pounding. I had to go down a flight of stairs. It took some intentionality. And the closer I got, to the stage, the harder my heart pumped. This is before I ever knew what Red Bull was about. And I walked closer and closer to the altar. And when I got almost there, I can't explain to you, but something come over me like never had before. And there was a peace that flooded me. And I fell on my knees at the altar in front of 5,000 men and said, God, I didn't know what I was missing. Until today. I knew at that moment that I was saved. But you know one of the things I thought about while walking back to my seat? 
is the men that went with me to that conference, they were just as lost as I was before I went to that altar. So many of us are bound up by religion, church. So many of us are just going through the motions. So many of us think because we go to church, we're good. Because I go to connect group, I'm good. Because I read my Bible, I'm good. I I pray, I'm good. Those things aren't in the acceptance of God. It's why you do those things. And if you're doing those things out of what you can get out of God, you're not, you're, you're, you're vainly following a lie. And Satan is creeping in a lie in the church that says that you can do these things and have acceptance in God and you don't please God in those things. It's when you totally surrender your life to Him and it's all about Him any day, every day. Y'all with me? Any day, every day. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm giving you my life. I'm throwing down my control and I want you to lead me. Can you say that's what your relationship with God looks like? And I don't care if you got if you raised your hand at this church in the last two and a half years, if you've got wet at this church in two and a half years, if you've been if you've been baptized, I don't care. If your life is not characterized by the love of Jesus and your life is centered on the gospel, you have believed and you're walking in a lie. And that's what he's trying to say. on deaf ears and I can understand how Paul's saying because he's inside of him he's like it's groaning because people are blinded by their selfishness people are blinded by what they want people are blinded by their feelings you're driven by how you feel instead of what God's telling you how can we read God's word and not do what it says if he is who we say he is to us what Paul is trying to make them understand is anything but Jesus in the center is wrong and demonic. Being a Hindu is not another religion. It's demonic, according to Paul. Being a Jehovah's Witness is not another religion. It's, it's demonic because Jesus is not the center. Y'all with me? See, this is real stuff. Paul was crying his heart out to these people that he thought were, 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 were solid, but yet they have been enticed by the world and by, by religion to do something different. Anything that's not centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ and on Jesus being the center of your life and him driving you is different. So I want to ask you, how many of you in this room have believed the false gospel? How many? And some of you are like, not me. What's your life so saying that? What's your life showing? I know one thing. I've seen it on my timeline. I love Facebook. It's good and bad, all right? But on my timeline, about eight years ago, it says that I can tell my life is different because some things that I was silent about, I cannot quit talking about today. You know, I was silent about Jesus for so long because I didn't know Jesus. And when you understand, I'm t- church, let me tell you, when, when you understand, when you understand what he's done for you, when you really understand what he had did on the cross for you, when you truly understand that what he came and took your place, when you truly get a hold of that and you realize that it, it was nothing that you did, ain't about this church service you're coming to. It's not about how much you do these things. It's about giving your life to him, trading in you for him. That's what it means. And when you truly get that, you can't keep your mouth shut because you want people to know what he's done for you. When you truly understand that he rescued me when I was, I was, there was no way out. That's where Paul was at. He remembers that Damascus Road experience. He remembers when he was marred by religion. He remembers when he was trying to stomp out the very thing he was preaching about. He remembers what it felt to be in chains to religion. And he was so passionate about telling people that if you're not truly surrendered to Jesus, you're following a false gospel. And that is going to send you to hell, even if you go to church every Sunday. And it's hard where we live. Because we think that we know him because but because we go to church, but 
When we first started the church, I knew Mr. Nick. I knew him. Little short, gray-haired man. I knew him. But that's all I knew. That's all. I knew of Nick, just like some of y'all know of Jesus. But until I started spending time with Nick, until I started listening, talking to him a lot, I started knowing Nick, and I began to love Nick. I began to care for Nick. See, it's the same thing with Jesus. Some of you know of him, but you don't know him. And you might have been to church your whole life, but nothing's changed. You may have been reading your Bible, you may be doing these things, and you may think you're good, but you're not following God. And that's what Paul was saying. So he was begging them, pleading with them. If you, if you read it on that text, he was reading, saying, saying please, I, I'm in anguish in my spirit until Christ is formed in you. And you know, it's not just me because I'm a pastor that I have that. I was like that before God gave me the gift to preach. I was in anguish because I knew family members that didn't know him. Does do you, do, do your gut start wrenching when you start thinking about family members that could go to hell believing they can go, believing that we're going to church every Sunday? They're so nasty. They're so bitter. They're so hateful. There's no change in their life. But yet they're saying, they're going to church every Sunday. They dress up all pretty. It's not about those things, is it? Are we truly following Jesus, church? Because if we're not, we're living a lie and we're sending other people to hell with us. That's why Paul was so in anguish in his spirit because he was like, there's so much on this. And it's not in what we do. It's in us allowing God to move in us. And he wants everyone to be saved. But some of us just settle for good enough. Could your relationship with God be characterized? Do you want that on your headstone? Marshall, this ain't Marshall, but I'm going to say this. Marshall, on his death, on his, when he dies and on his headstone, I don't want it to say. Marshall was a great man. And he followed Jesus because it was good enough. I want to say that he was a man of God. That his whole life was centered on Jesus shows up in how we live, by how much we take God's word seriously, by how much we walk in this. So how do you know if you're enslaved or if you're walking in the realness of the gospel? People that are truly God's have a heart that is captivated by God's grace and God's mercy. It, it, it's, it's, it's captivated. It's, 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 you've got it. You've got a hold of it. I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't catch a baseball to save my life. And my daddy finally got like this far from me and threw it to me. And I caught it for the first time and I had it. I remember telling daddy, I got it, I got it, I got it. I was so excited because I finally had it in my grasp. That feeling is the same exact feeling I had 10 years ago. Because I realized I got it, I got it, I've got it for the first time. Are you captivated by the gospel? That, that your life is all about Jesus. This ain't legalism. This is the reality. It's centered on Christ. Everything you do is about Jesus. You go to work focused on Jesus. You go, every relationship, you're not worried about what people think about you, but you're worried about how they feel about Jesus through you. See, that's a life centered on Jesus. The next thing is that, that they want to know Jesus. They just want to know him. They want to know him more. It ain't about just, all right, I'm saved. I'm, I got my get out of hell free card. No, you want to know the God that created you. You want to understand him. You want, you want him in your life. Does, does, that, does that a characteristic that you have, is that in your heart? It's easy for you to be in your head and you're like, yeah, I want, I want to know God. Is it right here? And the last thing is that Jesus is not the means to their end. But he is their end. We're not going to Jesus to get what we want. We're going to Jesus because he is what we want. I remember the story of Hannah. Like, it's just been engraved in my head here lately is that in the Old Testament, Hannah, she was so, it's in her, in her spirit, she was so just distraught because she wanted a child so bad. That's what made her, that's what identified her. It was like she, she was, her whole life was about the struggle of not being a parent, not having a child. Her whole life was on that. And she was, she was praying, she was seeking God. Why don't I have this child? Why don't I have this child? 
She was going to God as a means for her end. She thought a child would complete her. But in reality, the only thing that would complete her was a true intimate relationship with God. But when something changed in the story of Hannah at the end to where she changed the way she started praying, you could see that she saw God no longer as somebody that could give her what she wanted, but somebody that was the only person that could save her life. And so her prayer changed. And it was, God, if you will give me a child, if, not, not, if you will, then I will give it to you. I will give him, dedicate him back to you because I'm so thankful for the blessing that you gave me. See, a lot of the things that we want, God's saying it's an idol in your life. You're not getting it because it's an idol. You're not getting it because you worship these things and not me. That's why. That's why you're not getting the job. That's why you're not getting the raise. That's why you, you're, not, you're not getting free from this addiction because you think that you're coming to God out of this, not because you love him. It's simple, but we complicate it. The reality is that we're all in a place and by the look on all of y'all's face, and if I had a mirror, you, I would see my own. But all of us are in a place to where we have settled for less. And the purpose of this message was not to make you feel like garbage. The, press, the, the purpose of this message was for you to look at yourself with the mirror of the gospel and say, do I love Jesus like I say I do? Is my life a life centered by the gospel? Is my life all about following him? See, when we realize that we're a child of God, see, children desire to be made in the image. My little boy wants to be like his daddy. I remember growing up, I wanted to be just like my daddy. Everybody said, Jeremy, what you gonna be when you grow up? My dad at that time, my daddy was a lineman. I said, I want to be a lineman. Thank God that changed. But anyway, Bobby, you should have amen me on that one. But the reality is, children want to be made in the image of their father. And if he is your father, you, you should desire to change and be like him. So let me ask you a question, church. How are you going to respond to this today? All of us have blind spots. All of us have things that we thought we were doing good in, but then when we look at the reality, we realize that something's not right. Maybe God's being the God of what you can get instead of God of who you are. Maybe today you've realized that you've been buying into a lie your whole entire life, that you've been walking in a, in a lie, that you're not truly saved, that if you die today, you go to hell because you don't know Jesus. You don't have a life transformed by the power of God, that you're just going through vain religion, that you've been going through the motions. I mean, I hope today that you can have a Damascus Road experience where the blinders have been taken off and you're freed from the burden of sin. If that's you today, if you realize I've been blinded, I've been walking in religion, I don't really have a true relationship with Jesus. He is not the center of my life. He's been always been a means to my end, what I could get out of him, not that I love him. If that's you today, I want to challenge you to be bold and raise your hand and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender my life to God. Be bold today. Be courageous today. See, one thing a lot of you don't understand is by not raising your hand and not accepting the word of God's been preached today, and I'm not forcing nobody into anything. But my heart is in anguish because I know how many times I didn't respond to a gospel message, and if I would have died, I would have went to hell. And for all of us in this room to say, I'm okay, I'm good, and I'm following Jesus, we're telling a lie. Because if that's the case, we'd set the world on fire. All of us have garbage holding on to. All of us have pride that we won't let go of. And we're always going to have a life less than what God wanted us to be. So the ball's in your court. What do you want out of this life? Do you want to have a bunch of stuff? Do you want to have a, you want, you want to have a good name or do you want to love Jesus? Do you want him to be the center of everything? See, there's some of you in this room that your identity is always in this stuff. And I'm fixing to close in this. If you will, stand with me. There's a lot of you in this room, your identity is always based on this stuff you have, these things that satisfy you. Your identity is not based in Jesus. You're a lot like Hannah. You go to God with praying about this stuff and all oh, this is going to be great and God, you're going to change my life through you giving me this thing or that thing and when you don't get these things, then you think God didn't listen to you and he's just, 
you're not talking to God. Some of us, our identity needs to change. And it's like, God, it's not, I don't want you to be the God of my what's and my wants, but I want you to be the God of my center. I want you to be the God of my everything. And some of you, if you want to be honest, you want to be real today, that's what you need to be praying. Say, God, I don't know what's going on in my life, but God, I want you to be the God of my center. I want you to be God of everything. I want to be, I don't want to be somebody led astray by, 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 by demons, by Satan, by, by things that's not of you. But only you can do that. Let's do business with God. Amen. Amen. Father, we come to you right now. And as the worship team comes forward, Lord, I just pray, Father, that, that God, you would just do an amazing thing in us today. And God, your word is true and your word is like a double-edged sword. And God, it's sharp and it penetrates to the heart. And God, I just pray that you would just uh, allow us to, Lord, feel your presence. And God, I pray that, Lord, I know there's a lot of people in this room right now that have been walking in religion and not, a lot of them don't truly know you. And they don't, they're, they're, really, they're too ashamed to take that step. God, move in their heart like you did mine 10 years ago. God, make an unrestfulness in them so that they can't walk this same way anymore. They know there's something missing. They've been feeling it forever, but yet they don't know what it is. And God, reveal to them today that the missing thing is you. God, I pray today that for those of us that are walking, and, and Lord, we're, we're truly trying to seek you, but yet... The demons from our past are trying to, to run us back. The, the thing we're trying, we're trying not to turn back, but God, I pray that you help us focus and center ourselves on you today. And God, I pray that we will be known as being a people that are truly centered on you, that truly love you, and it shows by the way we live it out every day. So God, transform us today. God, change us today. And God, I thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Guys, if God's speaking in your heart when they start singing right now. Come, I'll deal with God.